On this Father's Day, I'm going to tell you a story that I guarantee you'll never forget. It's a story about fathers, sons, murder, and a message received from the dead. It's a story about horrific loss and the amazing and confounding pursuit of justice. It's the story of Romer Troxel and his son Charlie and a bond that extended beyond the grave. Whether it's history, crime, or legend, Stephanie Hoover has that story. Like so many men of his generation, Romer Troxel was a World War II hero. He never would have spoken of it or admitted it, of course. Just like he rarely spoke about the Purple Heart he received while serving as an Army Staff Sergeant and fighting in places like Italy, Algeria, and Morocco. Romer enlisted in the service on February 10, 1941. He was a single man born and raised in Kentucky. He'd completed three years of high school when he went off to serve his country. At some point during his war years, he married Edna Kaufman, and on November 6, 1945, the couple had a son they named Charles. Romer was a good provider after the war. He took a job as a maintenance man with U.S. Steel, and the family purchased a home in Levittown, Bucks County. This was actually the second Levittown in America. The first of these planned communities was constructed on New York's Long Island. Not long after that project finished, William J. Levitt and his two sons purchased land in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, between Philadelphia and Trenton. In 1952, building commenced. The Levittown concept was most famous for three things. The fact that it birthed the American suburbs, its unique assembly line method of construction, and the racist policies of the Levitts. Only members of the Caucasian race were allowed to purchase homes there. Thankfully, both the law and a changing societal outlook eventually ended this discrimination. The Troxels lived on Vista Road in the Bristol Township division of Levittown. Theirs was one of the more than 17,000 homes in the community. In the mid-1960s, Romer initiated divorce proceedings against his wife, Edna, but apparently the couple sorted out their grievances because they were still living together in late 1969 when their son, Charlie, left Pennsylvania to take a job as a lineman for the Northern Indiana Public Service Company. It was a huge gas and electricity supplier near Gary, Indiana. Charlie's job must have paid a good living. Not long after starting, he purchased a sporty yellow Corvette. Six months after moving to the industrial city of Portage, however, Charlie was planning to move back home. Sadly, he didn't leave soon enough. In the early morning hours of Friday, May 22, 1970, the body of a young man was found on the side of a Portage road. His identification had been stolen, and the cause of death was one or more of the four bullets in his body. Police had no idea who this victim was, but then a man named Donald Troxel contacted them. He thought the unidentified man might be his nephew, Charlie. Donald gave police the name and phone number of Charlie's parents, and the police called Romer, who immediately hurried his wife and teenage daughter into the family car. 
The nearly 12-hour drive must have been unbearable. As they traveled westward through Pennsylvania, then Ohio, then Indiana, surely all they could think of was the horrific end that had befallen Charlie. And as much as they knew that what the police had told them was likely true, surely there was some small part of the Troxel family that hoped against hope that this was all some terrible mistake. The Troxels arrived at the Porter County Morgue on Friday, May 29th. Coincidentally, it was Edna's birthday. When the sheet was drawn away from their son's face, they saw the terrible truth. The murdered man was Charlie. Their son was gone. But who could have done such a thing, and why? Grief suddenly turned to confusion when, from somewhere in the silent morgue, Romer heard a familiar voice. Hi, Pop. I knew you'd come. He's got my car. Stunned, Romer looked at the family members standing beside him. He could tell by their lack of reaction that they hadn't heard anything. He's got my car, Charlie repeated. Now, try to imagine Romer's state of mind. He's just traveled nearly 700 miles to identify his murdered son who was now speaking to him? Still in shock, the family went to Romer's brother's house in nearby Gary. The police weren't telling them much, except that they were working on the case. By Monday, June 1st, Charlie's words still fresh in his head, Romer decided to take matters into his own hands. Once again, he piled his wife and daughter into the family car, but this time they were joined by Romer's sister-in-law. Romer had no idea where he was driving. He didn't know the area. He'd never even seen Charlie's car. But he could hear Charlie's voice telling him where to go. Romer drove to the road Charlie directed him to find. Here he comes, Pop, he heard Charlie say. He's got my car. Within seconds, a yellow Corvette crested a hill. It was driving directly toward them. The Troxels watched as the driver parked the car in front of a high school. When the small, slender young man climbed out of the Corvette, Romer walked over to him. Hey, isn't that Charlie Troxel's car, Romer asked. It was, high school senior Arthur Wagner replied. I bought it from him last Thursday. Romer must have appeared skeptical. I've got the title in the glove box, Wagner said. I'll get it for you. Instantly, Charlie shouted a warning to his father. Be careful, Pop, he's got a gun. No, that's okay, Romer said. Say, have you seen Charlie lately? And this is when Arthur Wagner made his biggest mistake. He's dead, Wagner replied. Got shot up for the money from selling the car. Romer knew the police hadn't publicly revealed a possible motive for the shooting, but he also knew he had to keep this murderer talking. And while he did just that, Romer's sister-in-law snuck off to call the police. Within moments, a patrol car arrived. He's killed my son, Romer shouted. He killed my son. The officer, understandably confused, wasn't quite sure what to do. Fortunately, though, he held Wagner while radioing headquarters. Within seconds, the officer learned that the car was wanted in a homicide investigation and that he should arrest Arthur Wagner on suspicion of murder. Once Wagner was cuffed and secured in the police car, the officer searched the Corvette. In the glove box, 
he found a 32 caliber revolver. And on the floor were four spent bullet casings. Romer freely shared the story that it was Charlie who spoke to him, who led him to Arthur Wagner. The police didn't know if that was true, but they did know they never told Romer about Arthur Wagner or any other details of the investigation. And Romer's wife, daughter, and sister-in-law knew that Romer said he was being guided by Charlie. Not long after his arrest, Arthur Wagner confessed to the crime. Charlie had sold Arthur his Corvette for $3,000, but Wagner's check bounced. Probably on the pretense of paying in cash, Wagner asked Charlie to meet him on that Friday, May 22nd, but instead of paying for the car, Wagner shot Charlie four times, then drove away in Charlie's beloved Corvette. After the case was resolved, Charlie never spoke to Romer again. I never believed such a thing could happen, Romer said afterward. I was never a very religious man, but I am now. Romer Troxel died in 2011. He was predeceased by his parents, his wife, a great-granddaughter, a son-in-law, and of course, Charlie. But it was only his son who spoke to Romer from the afterlife and only that special father-son bond that led to the capture and arrest of Charlie's murderer. So there you have it, my special Father's Day episode of Stephanie Hoover Has That Story. What do you think? Did it happen as Romer said it did? And if it didn't, how did Romer know exactly where to go to find Arthur Wagner and Charlie's car? Personally, I agree with Hamlet's advice to Horatio. There are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Happy Father's Day. Until next time, be well, be kind, and be happy.